The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its leaders, members, and contributors. Every week, your host, CEO of Two Small Men with Big Hearts, Stu Starkey, shines the light on a community to raise awareness of their leaders, members, and contributors. So together, we can create positive impact, inspire change, and help those in need of assistance at a grassroots level. Welcome to the community of Big Hearts. Uh, welcome back to the community of Big Hearts. I'm Stu Starkey, uh, and I'm here with uh, a friend, an old friend, if I can say that, uh, Jill McLean. Um, Jill is um, someone that works for a company, which I'll let Jill introduce because she knows a lot more about it than I do. Um, but the, the point of this conversation, the purpose is, again, to always look at ways that we can help the community. And we've we've so far looked at um, people who've started foundations and people who've run businesses and help within the community. Jill um, work, has dedicated her professional career, as far as I can tell, to helping communities. So I can't wait to dive in with Jill uh, on that. Um, she's got a, a unique way to make things uh, fun. So can't wait to hear uh, how you do that in this job. So Jill, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, Changemakers. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. Uh, super happy to be here. So Changemakers is the uh, kind of local Winnipeg chapter of the Argyle Group. And so we've got offices kind of across Canada and focus on everything from public, public relations to uh, community education and engagement. Um, and where our office really focuses on is communications, strategy, marketing, curriculum development, all focused on social change. So that's all mm -hmm. part of the social marketing piece of things. Okay, awesome. Um, and your job at, at Changemakers is? Yeah, I'm the Director of Behavior Change and Evaluation. So um, I do research as part of my job and both in terms of market research, in terms of how communications campaigns are going and how we're doing, but also in terms of um, barriers and motivators to behavior change. Mm. Uh, I develop curriculum and uh, have a lot of fantastic opportunities all within that as well. Awesome. How long have you been doing that for? I've been with the company for about five years now, but okay. the Changemakers name has been going on for 20 years and Argyle for years before that. So. Awesome. Yeah. And I get to, to follow you on social media, so I see some of your photos, uh, and you get to travel all over the place, um, uh, affecting change in these communities. Um, and you were telling us before we came on air about uh, going to Nunavut and one of the most, or the most northern community in Canada. That's right. Yeah. Um, would love to hear some stories about your trip that you just had. It sounded amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple of our clients or our, our um, campaigns are with the government of Nunavut right now. So um, I work on one that is around community education and mobilization around tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And then another one, community education and mobilization around responsible alcohol use in the territory. And so what's really special about those projects is um, it's not about the government coming in and being like, you need to do this and you need to do this now. 
right? It's about finding out what um, communities need in terms of resources, in terms of materials and opportunities, um, motivators, um, and any kind of capacity building that can help communities address those issues themselves. So hmm. most recently I was up in Greece Fjord and Resolute in Nunavut and just have this fantastic opportunity to talk to people about what's the situation here, right? Here's the materials that we have. Do any of these resonate with you? Um, we spoke with, with youth who are so um, passionate and engaged in making sure that alcohol doesn't affect themselves or their families or their communities. And they're talking to us about everything from starting a youth group about, um, hmm. you know, challenging alcohol use in the community to, um, you know, they want to do marches and they want to have debates in their school and all of these fantastic things that are opportunities for us to go and support those initiatives. So right. that makes the work incredible when it's really about supporting and building capacity in the community. So do you facilitate some of those programs or are you able to learn from some of these communities say, look, this worked in this other community, like maybe we can uh, try this here, let's support you um, in what you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, um, we definitely want to tell communities about things that have worked in other communities, right? So for example, in Pangertung and Nunavut, they wanted us to help them develop um, a community strategy, right? And so bring the community together, hear what they want to do, and just put together um, kind of a list of strategies and tactics for them to employ, right? And so we tell other communities about that, but if that doesn't resonate with them, we won't do it. We'll go in right. a different way. Um, it's whatever works best for the community mm. at the time and for whoever's involved. Okay, yeah. awesome. Must be very rewarding. Um, it's incredibly rewarding, and at the same time, it's really hard sometimes because. Right. Um, so, for example, we were in Sani Kilowak in Nunavut in February, and they were going through a, a change, and so they were having a plebiscite, a vote to um, potentially open up the community from being a completely prohibited community where no alcohol was allowed um, to potentially a restricted community where you could have some alcohol, but you had to apply for it and, and that sort of thing, right? Uh, and so our role there was to kind of talk about, well, okay, you know, what does that mean? What does opening the community mean? Um, and what is it, you know, how can we kind of support the responsible use of alcohol if the community does open? And so people are asking us, well, you know, are we going to get you know, increased funding for safe houses or, you know, are we going to get um, more mental health workers? And, you know, unfortunately, that's not that's not necessarily in our purview. So I think, you know, there's there's a piece there that's super rewarding, but there's also a piece there that um, about taking back what's not in your purview and right. asking other people for it, right? So, okay, well, that's not under the purview of our project, but we'll let Department of Health know that you, you want that. Right. And so that's kind of the tough part about it too, right? Is that you want to You want to do so much and <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to stick within your tracks, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a great segue. So um, I, I want to ask you about two things. So first, like what inspired you um, to get into this? change makers and this path altogether because we kind of want to 
tie this conversation into um, helping inspire others mm. to get involved in in uh, professional life and helping community, um, but also like what keeps you inspired in those tough days um, and tackle it from from any part first that you want. Okay, uh, so maybe I'll start with. Um what kind of got me down this path and and really the answer is well I was doing my master's in sociology at U of M mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to make a difference somehow and I didn't know how um, and so I thought about kind of the worst <clears throat> kind of crime that I could think of and it was sexual exploitation of children and so that sent me down a bit of a path doing local national and international work volunteer wise for um, protecting protection of children right and um, that kind of got me on this this um, stream or this path of really empowering communities to tackle issues right it gave me the opportunity I went to um, Nepal and Brazil and um, Thailand and saw projects where children youth who had been exploited were actually um, developing and implementing and mentoring other youth um, <laughs> who are in the same situation and, you know, asking those questions for, as a sociologist, like, how did these youth get there? What led them down that path to um, feel empowered enough, to feel motivated enough, to have enough education uh, to come out the other side and tackle the issue, whereas not every youth is going to follow that path, right? Um, and so that idea of community empowerment was really important to me and kind of led me through um, to really believing in this. And um, I knew that Changemakers does fantastic work um, just in terms of behavior change and, and that kind of ethical values-based approach was really important to them as well. And so ended up ended up there. Um and on those really hard days, um, what keeps you going, I guess, is what keeps me going, I will speak for me, mm-hmm. is, um, well, it's about changing lives um, in a way that's meaningful. Um, it's about capacity building. It's about seeing those kids who are now, you know, having those debates in school and stuff like that but um at the same time sometimes it's just taking a big deep breath and you know going for a workout or whatever and coming back to it with fresh perspective or debriefing with somebody else in the office or somebody else on the project or you know somebody else in a community and saying what like we're stuck what can we do Right. right um and so it's really about the community the Changemakers community, the community in Unibut supporting the rest of the community. Yeah. So yeah. then those hard days, you kind of just go back to that original passion and purpose and just fuels you. You got to take a deep breath and step yeah. back, right? Like yeah. that's what it's all about. And I think that a lot of the times people who are really kind of um, embroiled and passionate about serving the community don't give themselves the chance to step back and be like, okay, what exactly brought us here what are we doing here right Right. because you're just so busy and go 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 all the time but if you don't do that then you're at the risk of burning yourself out and 
if your cup is only half full, that's you only have half a cup to give. To give, yeah. That's interesting because um, that's actually how my business partner and I got into doing this kind of stuff and having this conversation it was because we were getting burnt out uh, mm-hmm. doing the same thing just at our for-profit business. And we um, uh, we were just looking for that way to, to motivate us to work as hard as we did before. And um, we found that, and I've told this story a couple of times now, but I think it's important and uh, to help hopefully help inspire others. But we thought like, what fuels us the most in our job? And it's when we do those uh, moves for organizations that need them, uh, when we're helping out with our expertise and our infrastructure in a way that few others can do and making that impact. And that's what like gets us energized again, all over again. So I think no matter what, it seems from our two examples anyways, no matter what career you're in, you're going to have those tough days. And um, for us, it was going to seeing what kind of impact that we can have and sounds kind of similar. Mm-hmm. You got to realize that you can't always impact everything, but others who may want to just get into it, they can use that impact that they can have to get involved. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. I think so. And also realizing too that even times that feel like failures might not necessarily be a failure, right? So. Right. Um, you know, if we're going up to a community in Nunavut and not seeing change after being there several times or, you know, we're hearing from the community that there's still struggles and still challenges. Okay, so maybe we're not ticking off the box in terms of like, are we, you know, hitting the marks? Are we increasing responsible use of alcohol? Are we decreasing the amount of police reports that are due to alcohol use or you know if we're thinking about tv maybe we're not increasing the um number of people who are um feel stigmatized by tuberculosis or who are headed out for treatment or testing or or something but even um you know the the change can happen in small ways too right and so being in communities or you know um if people see Um, a community champion so um, we work with local folks who are in the community as well and kind of ask how can we disseminate messages would you mind disseminating a message or can you kind of put this out there right so seeing other community members seeing local champions being involved and stuff like that that can still have effects right that can change that champion's life it can still change um, the lives of people around them in small ways and so maybe we're not seeing the big changes but there's still little changes too yeah, well, those champions can inspire others. Totally. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear some of the um, impactful stories or stats that um, kind of jump off the page for the people listening that will um, that really move you or, or might move them in terms of what you guys have done. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think it, one of the first... Um, stories or stats that I heard about changemakers as a whole that really um, got me interested in learning more about what they do. Um, so Safe Work Manitoba is one of changemakers' longest standing clients and Safe Work was uh, kind of formed in 2003 with the express purpose of really reducing the number of workplace injuries in Manitoba. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, by 
it was four years later that SafeWork had hit its five-year goal. So Changemakers helped SafeWork um, really in their promotion campaigns, uh, communications, that sort of thing, um, to get information out there about how to reduce workplace injuries. In four years, SafeWork had hit its five-year goal of reducing time-loss injuries by 25%. And by 10 years in, um, we had hit 41% less time-loss injuries in the province. And that stat kind of stayed um, constant um, since then, but has since started to go down even further, right? Wow. And so thinking about 41% reduction in time-loss injuries in Manitoba, like that, um, that's not a, just about people being productive at work. It's about the injuries that people are sustaining at work, also allowing them to have a really um, meaningful and pain-free home life as well, you know? Right, right. And so that to me was incredible. Um, and just the power of kind of communication and campaigns at that point was really neat. Um, Is there anything um, that you can pinpoint that's like a main driver of the reduction of the time loss that the change makers implemented? I mean, oh, there's, there's so much. Um, so there's been lots of different kind of targets and focuses that mm -hmm. Changemakers has taken on. So it's really been not just about targeting the worker. It's been about targeting the worker as well as the employer, as well as healthcare providers, as I'm sure you know, as a business yeah. owner, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right? And thinking about um, kind of the return to work process, it's targeting the health and safety committees. And so thinking about how peers or coworkers can really take responsibility for their peers and coworkers as well, right? So it, it's about taking that um, multifaceted approach and really um, keying people in or motivating people to take responsibility for themselves and others around them, right? Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's that's a huge stat. And like 41% in Manitoba time saved. I can't imagine how many... Um, paid hours that's getting back into the workforce, into the economy. Uh, that's pretty significant because I know running a, a moving business, we have injuries and uh, we are trying to, to minimize those and trying to get guys um, back to work as safely but quickly as possible. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's very impressive. Yeah. Um, and I guess just the other... Um Kind of really impressive pieces of things um, when I think about our work in northern communities and indigenous communities and things like that um, the other thing that really impresses me about how we go about behavior changes is really um, that capacity building piece right and so um, making sure that as much as possible it's peers speaking to peers um, and so whether that means kind of training um, teams to go out and kind of do engagement pieces within communities at certain kind of events and things like that um, it's just it's proven very successful that you know people want uh, or respond best youth, youth respond best to youth or um, you know 
folks from certain um, indigenous communities will respond best to people who understand their own challenges um, in a personal way. So um, yeah, it's really important to me that that and to the company that that's how we address issues. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I remember this was like maybe a couple of years ago and I saw you wrote a paper um, on some of the cultures in the or the cultural experiences in northern communities. Um, and one thing that jumped out to me was um, that you were participating and what was really important to get buy-in from the people that you were trying to affect change and was um, participating in their rituals and cultural ceremonies. So um, I'd like to hear about some of the fun ones that you've uh, participated in. And then uh, I'll have a follow-up question after that. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> it, it's uh, really always such an honor when, you know, you're um, in a different culture, a different community or whatnot, and you get invited, right, to participate, Absolutely. right? And I think that the important thing to keep in mind for us is, like, that doesn't always happen, and it's certainly not going to happen if you go in there and, like, start throwing elbows and, <laughs> you know, try to wedge yourself in. It's just something that happens really organically, especially in communities up north, right? Um, because there is that, um, there's really a, um, you never ask a direct question up north like you gotta hmm. get to know people and um ask about families and maybe you spend several days getting to know someone before you um can even sidle up to a topic of alcohol use or something like that right oh. so yeah um so to be invited to participate in um in in any kind of cultural event um is really really special and really an honor um and so i mean i can think of a few really special ones off the top of my head including um just on this most recent trip being invited to go and um watch um one of the young hunters he's 18 years old and he was out in a kayak and uh was harpooning a beluga whale to feed the community mm -hmm. right and um so we were with some folks from the community and had been you know getting to know them and um asked a few questions but they were kind of helping show us around town and whatnot and um it was just by happenstance when one evening that the belugas were on their migratory path through the community and um, one of the local folks that had been showing us around town asked if we wanted to go out and check out the belugas. Mm -hmm. And um, so, of course, yes, thank you so much. We go. And there's this young gentleman out there in the kayak who had been um, bring, bringing this beluga in for about two hours. And so from a, a, like an immediate standpoint, I'm thinking to myself, don't kill that beluga <laughs> it's a beautiful creature and you know all that kind of stuff but um uh so he brings this this beluga in and it wasn't very long after that the community started showing up 
So there was cars and ATVs and, you know, people showing up. Some of them were on bicycles. And what was happening was this young hunter was cutting up the beluga whale and giving everybody their piece hmm. of muktuk, right? Of whale. Um, so it wasn't about... Muktuk? It's muktuk, yeah. Okay. Um, and so it wasn't about... Um, you know about this whale anymore it was about feeding the community which right. was such an incredible experience but that that idea right of that you, the first kind of southern instinct being like right. what's going on here and i don't know <laughs> if i can stay i don't know if i support this but like really um you know it, it's it's again about checking your kind of understandings and then feeling fortunate and amazingly lucky to have been there for that experience yeah that's pretty special that is a community ritual that brings everyone together feeds them Um, there's so many important pieces to that ritual yeah it's amazing uh did you try it you try muktuk i was not offered muktuk i was offered to watch but at the same time too i absolutely would have tried it even though raw whale i don't know if it's necessarily (laughs) my thing but uh if i had been offered i absolutely would but at the same time this is the community source of food i'm not gonna yeah i wasn't about to ask for it (laughs) i remember probably thankfully offered too yeah Uh, i remember part of the article was that you were offered a moose meat uh when you were up there a few years ago and you felt you had to you eat the Uh, moose if you're offered the moose you eat the moose even if you haven't eaten red meat for 25 years you eat the moose absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, I went to Fiji um, with my wife and a friend and a large percentage of their population is in 300 person villages or less and they all do their own um, uh, build their own housing and catch their own food so they don't they're not um, they don't need commerce so when they're welcoming into their village it's unlike any other experience I've had while traveling. It's not like they're trying to, trying to sell you something. They literally are just so proud of their community mm-hmm. that they just want to invite you in. And part of the ritual is you sit down and you try this kava, which is like a tea, but it's like a medicinal tea that um, at first has your like lips kind of go numb and then you're very relaxed. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a really neat experience. But the coolest part is the community part and just how um, proud they are of their community. Mm. So that's kind of leads me to my next question, which was um, of these rituals that you've seen, it sounds like you've seen quite a few of them. Um, is it or anything else like is there anything we can learn from these communities that you've gone to and explored that are that are. Um, not like regular Western society? Mm. There's probably about a million. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, I I keep speaking about the North because I think that that's such a a special part of what we do at Changemakers in Argyle. Um, and, And there is so much to learn from up there. And so I think my number one thing would be uh, and maybe it relates to your experience in Fiji as well, just like the 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 scale, uh, I think really affects how people interact with one another, right? And so mm-hmm. there, I from my experience, and I, I can't speak to other people's experiences up north, but from my experience, people in the north have the mentality that, first of all, nobody's left behind, 
right? Mm -hmm. And so whether that is a product of um, the environment, you know, and kind of the weather and climate that folks live in, or um, whether it's the small knit communities, I don't know. I've thought about it from a sociological standpoint a thousand times, but um, nobody is left behind, um, both kind of like physically, but also figuratively, right? Like we win as a community and we lose as a community. Um, And so that kind of mentality, I think, is really important. Um, And I think also kind of related to that is that people really um, pay attention to one another on a very personal basis. So if you Hmm. walk by people in a northern community, you will stop and you will say hello to every person that walks by. Right. Um, Or your face at least needs to be open and receptive to the face of the other person. And so that means eyebrows raised and, you know, looking at them smiling, that sort of thing. Um, So it's really relating on that kind of human basis, which I think is really important and perhaps relates to nobody being left behind. Right. And I think, oh, maybe also related to that piece of things is just the kind of different ways of communication. Um, obviously, verbally is one thing, right? Um, and uh, kind of giving people space and time to talk and say their piece. But I think uh, the other thing is that cultures and different people and ways of being um, are expressed in different ways. And so facial expressions are really important up north and um that i've carried with me to my work down south here as well is like eyebrows raised means yes in a northern Mm. culture scrunching your nose means no (laughs) right and so um for a long time um inuit folks from what i understand who came to schools in the south or who were taught by southern teachers um were chastised because people felt that they weren't answering questions but it's in the face right and so people were answering questions but the southern folks just didn't know and so really kind of learning about um the community and the different ways that people communicate and just the ways of being i think is really important if you're going to um, be part of any sort of change do you think that um applying that down here in the south has helped you communicate at all with more conscious facial expressions i hope so sometimes i feel like my face doesn't do what i'm telling it to do so so i have really put a lot more effort into right making sure that i'm smiling or um now i'm conscious of have i been smiling this whole time (laughs) um but right because that is it's about how you make other people feel right right? and um if you want to affect change if you want to do good things for the community that initial um kind of uh reaction or impression or whatever that you give off with your face is invaluable Hmm. yeah i can definitely feel that i i went to um travel to england and we traveled all over and I found a big difference between the smaller communities uh, and by smaller communities I still mean like tens of thousands of people um, in the in the north versus London in the south millions and in, in the northern communities uh, man they were friendly like you travel on a train and uh, sometimes you just want to rest and they're just they they can tell you're you're traveling you're a tourist and they just want to talk to you they got a million questions and it's great 
Um, and you go to London, it is the polar opposite. Mm. It's, um, I mean, obviously there are friendly people in London, and, and but as a whole, there was a big difference in cultures between the smaller communities and, and large. And uh, from that experience, I've noticed that um, in most places, there's some discrepancy. But in London or England, it was just so, uh, such a, a big difference between the community sizes. So how did you, when you were tired and traveling and stuff and people wanted to talk and chat, like how did you navigate your way through that? Or did you, like how did you cope with it? I thought I was supposed to be the person interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, well done. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest part was just like realizing, wait, like this is just like a, a friendly person wanting to strike a bond. Mm-hmm. And um, found the energy and eventually once I started having that conversation like it gave me energy but um, yeah I think applying that to I have applied it to where we live now and even like trying to run my business that way is that just make the energy for people and when you're um, when you're not giving them the energy or the, the, the facial expressions or whatever people can tell yeah um, and it kind of gets like eroded away as our society gets bigger and bigger. So maybe that's a a big takeaway we can take away from this conversation. Well, I think your response is similar to what we were talking about before and just kind of like pulling back to the basics, right? Of like that human connection of the, um, like what's really at the root is like people wanting to connect to another human being or what, mm. you know, people have very positive intentions. And so just kind of taking a breath and pulling back when you're really tired or really exhausted and being like, okay, no, this is, this is worth it. This is what it's all about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something, um, I read, which was, we talked about earlier, I'm sorry. Um, but it's, um, like on a cellular level, your body reacts to being lonely or being or belonging. Mm. And if you don't make time or have the energy for that, it's going to affect your health. It's going to affect your happiness. Um, So it is important to make the time for people in in your community. Yeah. Is there anything else um, we should know about Changemakers or anything else you wanted to talk about? Something else to know about Changemakers and Argyle and whatever is just... That there's always, um, there's always an appetite for making the world a better place, right? In we work in so many different kind of industries, thinking all the way from that workplace safety and health to, mm-hmm. um, you know, addictions to um, school divisions and um, um, even thinking about kind of transportation and environment and. Um, even like financial wellness and so there's tons of appetite to make the world a better place and um, it's inspiring working there and seeing how many people how many people want to do good Mm -hmm. and how many different ways there are to make the world a better place and so I just um, it's inspiring to me the work that Changemakers does um, all throughout the team um, in the different facets, right? And I think that's really important to keep in mind too, is that um, even when it feels like there's kind of burnout and and you're kind of 
pushing up against uh, a rock that's not moving is like, okay, no, there's tons of other people who are trying to attack this problem. And so let's just find them and let's put our heads together and figure it out. Soon, right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, are you guys hiring? <laughs> we are. In fact, yes. You'll see. You'll see. Are you looking uh, for a job? Yeah, Ryan, Sam, and I's resumes will be coming over shortly. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. Thank you for your time. We'll put in the show notes um, the links to Change Makers. Um, and anybody uh, who's really interested in a career with Change Makers, would you be available for email or? Absolutely, Jill at ChangeMakers.ca. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Community of Big Hearts with Stu Starkey. If you know someone in your community who is a leader doing great things and driving change, a contributor who is on a passionate mission to help their community through a nonprofit or a foundation, or a community member just doing their part to make their community a better place, please send Stu an email and let him know and maybe they can be featured on a future episode of The Community of Big Hearts. You can email Stu at Stu at twosmallmen.com. Again, that's Stu at twosmallmen.com. Thank you again for listening.